0: All right, step on up and get your tickets tonight. You think you know good singing, but you ain't heard these tight. They got tie-dye shirts, bell-bottom jeans, Afro to Who's ready to fly on the scene? Too often we hear our grandparents and elders mention back in the day but we can't even begin to imagine what it was like back then. Black Americans were drafted into World War II, forced to fight for a country that didn't see them as human. Those that survived, came home only to fight in a continuous war. Shortly after, the Civil Rights Movement began. Black entertainers during the Civil Rights Movement weren't allowed to perform in certain theaters, couldn't use the same restrooms, and weren't even allowed to walk inside of certain restaurants and establishments. However, they made history by showing off their talent to those who didn't believe in them. No matter the color of their skin, they still had potential. Let's hear about how it was in Baltimore during that time.
1: They had the little house parties, they had the bars, they had the clubs on every Saturday night. It was Friday night and Saturday night. The cars they called the um, now they got what BMWs and whatever, all that other stuff. Then they had it was the Mark IV, the
0: Mark VIII, the um, Cadillacs, the Lincolns, you know, because of
1: the nice Fridays sitting outside them clubs.
0: Interesting. Did you know that Cadillac has been around since 1903 and they weren't sold to black people? That's right. Cadillac was extremely successful, but when sales began to slump during the 1930s, they were on the verge of shutting down the division until Nick, German born service manager at Cadillac, persuaded the company to try promoting its cars to black people. Can you believe that it was company policy not to sell Cadillacs to black people? However, As soon as white customers were disappearing due to the economy, Nick persuaded his bosses to actively court the Black consumer. When this shift occurred, the company ended up selling enough cars to make the Cadillac division break even. Although Cadillac exploited the desire for prestige, they were also the first luxury automobile brand to strategically market directly to Black consumers when other brands did not.
1: I never thought it would get you this period like this. I still listen to some of the seventies, eighties and nineties, um, movies. They didn't have rapping and stuff back then. But they had the, the good music that they still play today where they had the shows out at um what's that Tapsicle, The Patapsico Arena. And they got other areas where they had the um oldies for goodies, or they had the groups that imitate the groups now, or they have like the original, of course they owned the like the spinners, the soft tones, um, blue, um, not her, own,
0: no, the blue notes. Baltimore was the place to be. A lot of Baltimoreans associate their favorite memory at the arena, seeing the Beatles, Judy Garland, Jackson Five, Elvis Presley, Ray Charles, The Supremes, The Temptations, and Jimi Hendrix, just to name a few. In an article by the Baltimore Sun, written in 1992, Frank Severo, who worked as a ticket seller in the box office for 30 years, said people will buy a ticket before they buy a pair of shoes. He's seen them with their toes sticking out and asking for the best seat in the house. The article also featured veteran Usher Roscoe Hyde, and he stated that all the young girls stood in their seats and screamed like it was a religious experience, they had to haul them out left and right as they fainted. That definitely sounds like a great time to be alive.
1: Back then they had them shows and then they did a lot of cabarets. I never went to the cabarets though. They back in the 70s, if they always had cabarets. I never went. But from people that went, you know, they had a nice time. It was all—it oh, was a cabaret, you could go to cabaret every month. Depending upon where they had a cabaret at. But then you had the shows like, I know when I was a little girl the farm um, they used to see, they tore all the old history down. They had the Regent Theater and the Lincoln Theater. They were all on Pennsylvania Avenue. Then they had the, the wagon wheel. But for the Lincoln and the Regent, that's where um, the Temptation, James Brown, the Supremes, they used to play, they used to go at them shows. They used to go there. The shows, was, the shows was at the theaters, the region, and Lincoln, but they tore them down. I mean, they tore them down. The only thing that they left historical to us, and it's really not historical, is the Hippodrome. And that the Hippodrome was a theater. We could have movies all down I mean, there. But the Hippodrome, they made that a, um, a theater where they do shows.
0: In an article by The Baltimore Sun, it stated that the 1300 block of Pennsylvania Avenue now known as The Avenue, was famous for their bright lights and ticket lines that stretched around the block. 2,000 people would pack out the 1,350-seat theater at the Royale, which quickly gave the Royale a name for making or breaking performers, depending on how the crowd responded. People made an attempt to dress up, and you couldn't find anyone walking up and down Pennsylvania Avenue in jeans. Ballrooms, shops and hotels also lined Pennsylvania Avenue. Black people were forced to shop, eat, and perform there during the Jim Crow era. This article also expressed that segregation fostered a boom for Black businesses, but it also left a painful memory for entertainers who were restricted to Black theaters such as the Royale. Now, there is just a vacant lot where the Royal Theater once stood, but it will always sacred ground. Most of the history that Baltimore have, like the theaters and stuff, they, they should have left the Lincoln. They should have left the region. I can see if they could
1: have left the Met. But the Mayfair 1, well, Mayfair 2, that's gone. So the only thing they left us was the Hippodrome. That's it. Everything else, they, and the Hippodrome is not even historical. They took that and they that a theater.
0: Baltimore Legacy Voices is an initiative brought to you by the Greenmount West Community Center Foundation. Executive produced by Keisha L. Webster. Produced and edited by Akilah McCrory and Kennedy McDaniel. And spoken word poetry by Akilah Devine. You can find Baltimore Legacy Voices at GreenmountWestCC.org and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.